Thanks, Nisa. I'm back again this week with Matthew Joey Duvall from Coinlist. Hey, Matt. Thanks for coming back. How are you, Jenna? I'm brilliant. It's great to see you. Um, so you. what's been happening in the markets this week? So a bit of a doozy, uh, you know, things are not really going anywhere at the moment. A Bitcoin moved from 12,000 to 10 and a half. It's been staying there for about 10 days now. Implied yeah. vol super low, you know, 45, 40%, which is kind of the low end of the range. Mm. Every time we go towards 40 or the high 30s, that's when we have a breakout. So it's going to be interesting to, take, to keep an eye on that. Calls and puts are above the add the money. So it kind of feels like the market is not too sure which direction we're headed, but they want to buy protection either way. Uh, in the broader macro uh, market, we are kind of, you know, between that last run up to the election. Uh, the S&P came up from the highs at 3,300 right now. Again, a lot of uncertainty it kind of feels like the market is slowly catching up to the fact that COVID is not going away. The UK is locking down again. Paris is, you know, the masks are back. So um, uh, the wishful thinking that the market has displayed in the last six months is or could slowly be unwound. Is it going to be a slow unwind or a clip jump? Uh, we'll see soon enough. Yeah, we will. Indeed. Um, and so DeFi markets, you know, been been very, very interesting the last couple of weeks. Um, what's been going on? We were talking earlier about uh, liquidity pools and, and how those work. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So liquidity pools is a really interesting uh, experiment that has started in DeFi. So a liquidity pool is nothing more than a pile of asset A, a pile of asset B, and they are made available to a trader. If you want to trade in that pool, you have to bring asset A to get asset B or vice versa. Right. So how come that system has never been used in centralized exchanges? Well, it's because centralized exchanges don't need to. Centralized exchanges have low latency, they have feature-rich environments and UI, so they can have the full order book, the continuous limit order book, the club. Now, having a limit order book in a DEX, as in on-chain, is close to impossible at the moment on layer one. Why? Because adding an order means paying transaction fees. Removing an order means paying transaction fees and slowness, of course. And it's just, you know, the whole thing is just not meant to be on a layer one, especially mm -hmm. not on ETH. So some uh, protocols have tried, such as 0x, to have an order book off-chain and to only bring the trades on-chain. A few things have been tested, but really what people ended up realizing in the decentralized world is that users don't really want all that feature-richness uh, richness of an exchange. They just want the ability to trade A for B at a fair market price mm -hmm. quickly and trustlessly. And that is what liquidity pools are doing. Liquidity pools are saying, okay, I've got an ETHUSD pool. It's always two assets only. ETHUSD pool, you can see it as the trading pair. If you bring A, then you get B. If you bring B, you get A at the ratio of the pool. So for example, if you're in your pool, you have one ETH for 400 USDC. It means that the implied price of that pool is, you know, 400 uh, USDC per ETH. And so if you want to buy 0.01 ETH, you're going to take away 0.01 ETH from the pool. It's going to go from 1 to 0.99. And you are going to have to pay 400 ETH. So the pool is going to go to um, uh, essentially as a uh, 0.1, so 440 USDC. So from 1 and 400 to 0.99, 440. And the price stays uh, uh, balanced that way. So one thing that's very interesting when you look at those pools, you think, okay, so the bigger the pool, the harder it is for the price to move. It's actually right. something I read recently on Twitter. It's the wrong way 
to think of these pools. These pools are really a pile of assets, and those assets then are connected to global prices, you know, the Coinbase, the Binance, and the Kraken price, by the play of arbitrageurs. So if ETH goes to from 400 to 800 on, let's say, a centralized exchange on Binance, for example, all of a sudden, that one ETH that is there for 400 USDC is ripe for the taking. It's a very cheap ETH. So someone is going to come in and, for example, buy 0.5 ETH for 200 USDC and bring back that pool into balance and change the price of the assets inside that pool. So the pools are always connecting to the global prices because mm-hmm. hundreds of arbitragers are constantly looking for an opportunity. So what happens when the asset prices in the pool begin to drop? So that's something really fun about the liquidity pool itself is that because it's a completely different setup, you are still looking at market makers doing the work of connecting the pools into the global prices, but anybody can become a liquidity provider. Today, if I connect on Coinbase and I want to be a market maker on Coinbase, chances are I need to have a solid bot, right? That shows bid and offers, refresh, you know, in like hundreds of seconds, pull them, put them back in. It's, it's, a, it's a job, right? So market makers is a real technical function. For liquidity pool, it's completely different. I can be anybody and come in and bring the two assets in the pool. I'm a liquidity provider. Now, what people don't necessarily realize is that by, by, by participating in such pools, they are actually entering a negative gamma position. Mm-hmm. Let me explain. So yes. negative gamma is the uh, a term that comes from the option world. And negative gamma means at what uh, rate your delta position is changing. So if we go back to our pool of ETH USDC, let's say I'm already long ETH and already long some USDC. Okay, I've got an equal position, 50-50. Mm-hmm. I put my ETH and my USDC in the pool. Now the price of ETH rallies, right? So as we said, when the price, the pool always connects to the international price, to the global price. So if the price of ETH rallies, essentially I'm going to have more USDC in the pool and less ETH right? Yeah. That's just by the natural function of the liquidity pool. So yeah. as a liquidity provider, I came in and offered one and 400. If I want to take out the liquidity of that pool, I'm going to get way less ETH now and more yeah. USDC, meaning I've been selling my ETH on the way up, right? So when the price rallies and I'm losing a position, it's called negative gamma. On the way down, it's exactly the same thing. If the price of ETH has had tanked from 400 to 100, for example, and I want to take out my liquidity, I'm going to end up with a lot more ETH than I put in. So I'm getting longer an asset that's coming down. Again, a negative gamma position. So the, usually when you're negative gamma in option world, which means being short an option, essentially, you are long theta, you're long the time decay. That theta in liquidity pool, uh, in the world of liquidity pools, is uh, realized by trading fees. As a liquidity provider, I earn a portion of the trading fees. Now, are those trading fees paying for the for the negative gamma I'm in? Well, as long as, like any negative gamma position, as long as the spot price reverts to the mean, I'm good, right? If the price goes up, then down, mm-hmm. everything's fine for me. I've collected trading fees and the price hasn't changed, so my liquidity is worth the same in asset terms. Yeah. But if the price goes down dramatically, what happens? Exactly what has been going on recently, and that is what has put a lot of fuel on the fire of ETH price going from 440 to 340 right now, is that when the price of an asset starts to go down, everybody gets longer that asset because everybody who's been in that pool gets longer ETH, longer ETH. They realize that, what do they do? They, they need to sell ETH, right? Because they're getting extremely long, something that's falling like a rock. They don't necessarily want it that position to start with, right? They just participated in that pool because they wanted their free token right? Yep, yep. Now they get super long ETH. What do they need to do? They need to dump it, 
because they don't want so much of it, right? I had a nice and balanced ETH USDC position. Now I'm long all of that ETH. I need to sell it. So that has triggered a lot of uh, liquidations and a very dramatic price movements. ETH was one thing, but all the other DeFi tokens, just like CRV, LEND, uh, comp even, all those that were used in liquidity pools, remember, not for the purpose of trading, but really for the purpose of getting free token airdropped, wow. uh, those have also seen very dramatic price falls, not because of leverage. This is not a function of people who are overly leveraged, like what we see on, you know, for example, the BitMEX perp swap or the futures. This is not leverage. This is pure negative gamma that is given to the users and to people who really don't necessarily understand what a negative gamma position is. I was just going to say that. Do they even understand that that's the position that they're in until it starts so, to move the opposite so direction? They understand once they try to take out the liquidity right. that they put in and they see, oh, wait a minute, the balance of these assets is not what I put in originally. So once they see that in, in, um, in DeFi, they call that impermanent loss, which is a very poetic way to say, if the market mean reverts, the loss that you experience on the movement up or down will be not permanent if the price catches back to the mean. But one thing crypto does is not reverting to the mean, you know, especially for smaller tokens. So the loss can be very, very permanent uh, in that if you don't hedge that negative gamma by either doing options or just, you know, buying back your position that you're losing when the market moves, which completely defeats the purpose of being in the negative gamma position in the first place. Because if you trade, then you piss away, excuse my French, all the trading fees that you're collecting in the pool, you pay them by trading yourself to hedge your position. So you're just short negative gamma now <laughs> with nothing else to pay to pay you for. Clearly, users have, have not, you know, well assessed that in a very quiet market like what we had in August. That's fine. When things start to come off, we saw that it just added a ton of fuel to the fire and it might become a mainstay of ETH price dynamics. Indeed, indeed. Well, and, you know, the, uh, some of the more volatile uh, things that have happened, you know, the, the sushi swap saga, uh, uh, as we like to call it, um, you know, all these things are an experiment, right? And so we have um, people playing with some of these um, protocols and, and services that don't necessarily have the same um, trading background or, you know, that fundamental market um, knowledge that are kind of figuring things out as they go, which I think also kind of contributes to the dynamics a little bit. For sure. And, you know, the panic is there also because it's not necessarily institutional players being involved, but, but retail players. As you said, you know, the experiments are extremely valuable. It's great. You know, a, a liquidity pool a few years ago would have been unthinkable because sure. what's the point? It clearly fills the void. Uh, however, the, the, the mania, really, the popularity of those pools for the sake of receiving the, the new hot token uh, is not necessarily uh, a, a, an overall positive for the space, especially when volatility comes back and it means a lot. Uh, PNL hits for a lot of people who, who don't need that really. Right. Indeed. Well, it's always a pleasure to have you. Um, I always learn something when we chat. So thank you very much for coming back. And uh, we'll see thank you in a couple weeks. All right. See you in a few weeks. Bye bye. Back to you, Nisa.